Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode, dairy farmer Mike Birmingham joins us to talk about the brave jump from construction to dairy farming and the remarkable progress he has achieved in 10 short years, finding himself in the top 1% of the national dairy herd. And I first asked him, what's happening in Nakinanig today? We're farming here um, just outside Formoy, uh, about five miles outside Formoy, and uh, we're milking uh, 108 cows this year. Um, farming 47 hectares in total, stocked at 2.3. Uh, all the calves are contract reared and the heifers are contract reared so we're just basically milking cows here. And I suppose why we're interested in chatting to you today Mike is that essentially you were a new entrant to dairy farming and I suppose if we look way back uh, back into the noughties you weren't actually farming. Can you give us an insight into what you were doing and, and why you made your way into farming? Yeah I was um, I was uh, building actually I was a carpenter uh, I was working uh, we used to commercial jobs in the city shuttering pouring concrete a uh, f- few small jobs in houses, things like that, uh, up to about 2009. And I, I took over here from my parents in 2009. Um, at the time, we were doing calf to beef with about 50 calves and 50 store bullocks, and we'd sell them on. And so I, I took over that year. And in 2000, the end of 2009, um, I suppose we were, I had a good bit of debt on the farm because I paid out the parents. Uh, we'd put up a waste, we put up a new shed for the waste management. Uh, the grant money hadn't come back, so I had a good bit of debt on board at the end of the year and I had a big asset and I had no way of generating money, so I had to think how was I going to generate the cash and I suppose, and that's where the dairy came into it. Yes. And, and where did the idea come from? Um, the idea came, look, I've been, I was a kind of always interested in farming. I was always farming and interested in love farming. And so the idea came, I was in 2007, uh, a friend of mine, Kevin Toomey, was a monitor farmer that year. And look, I went to his monitor farmer meetings and I just, I just liked what I saw really, to be honest with you. And um, um, look, he he had a simple system, and look, he was he was doing well out of it, and I I liked that. So, as well as that, I was kind of I was getting burnt out from my job really, and um, farming. Then I could work on my own. I liked, I prefer to work on my own. I used to work with about forty people before, you see, and uh, trying to keep them all going the whole time. So the dairy farming then. You could work on your own, you could work your own hours, you know, it was more flexible, let's say. And, um, yeah, so we we decided we'd go for it. So then, I suppose, to talk us through the journey, did you start straight away in 2010 in cows? No, no. Um, I, the journey was, it was uh, luck, really. Um, an opportunity came up to go contract rearing heifers for Bill O'Keefe and Connor. So Bill had 150 calves and 150 heifers he needed rearing. And look, we had enough land here to do it. So I packed up my job and stayed at home to go rearing those calves and heifers. We used to take the calves off of Bill at a week old and we'd send them back to Bill at the point of calving. So the contract rearing was a great tool because uh, it kind of, um, like, 
brought together all the stuff that we would be doing for dairy farming, like breeding, grassland management, rearing calves, um, you know, looking after stock, I suppose, budgeting money and, you know, all that kind of thing. It, it was it was a good it was a good starting block, you know, for some, you know, without and we were still getting paid, let's say, you know, so it was, it was good for cash flow as well. Like. And then in terms of building your own herd, how did you start that yeah, process? That's that started. Um, there was another bit of luck with that as well, really. Um, in 2012, we decided, look, we were going to go at it. And the only way we go at it was if we started buying stock because we'd keep putting it off. So that year, um, we uh, bought we bought 60 calves. Uh, we were lucky enough, uh, we bought them out of two herds, out of two uh, very good farmers, uh, John Kingston up by the airport and uh, Michael Welch in Bartlemy. So we were able to purchase stock off of them. So that was our step on the road to dairy farming. So in 2012, we continued on with the contract rearing and we were, plus we were rearing our own calves as well that year. And in 13 then, we decided um, we had um, we bought another 60 calves off of John Kingston. And we started our development that year, let's say. Well, in 2012 as well, we put in uh, the main network of roads for the dairy farming or the cash flow, let's say. So, I suppose we, we, yeah. we'll jump into, into that in terms of infrastructure you didn't you weren't really set up for a dairy farm no. i take it when you started no. off so what i suppose infrastructural developments had you to make on the farm across the i suppose the years leading into the dairying yeah i suppose look we we had to do everything really um it's a it was a greenfield site all we had really was two slatted sheds um for, for and slurry storage so really we had to do everything uh roads so in 2012 we put in the roads in uh, 2013, then we decided we started building our milking parlour, and we fitted uh, 115 cubicles, mats and scrapers into the slatted shed that we had. Let's say, and uh, some of those cubicles, there's 40 of those cubicles outdoors. So um, that's that's what we did that year. Uh, 14, then we started milking our our 60 calves we bought first let's say so there was 55 of those being milked and uh, we we phased out the contract rearing at the spring of 15 and we milked 103 cows that year so we kind of tipped away tipped away from there um from there on in we had in 16 then we we added on the cube the calf shed um 17 we uh, topped up all the roads um from uh let's say in 2012 we did an inverted road we we dug down got out the stone and threw in the topsoil but we'd nothing topped off so that year then we topped off all the roads rolled them and got them got them up to a better standard let's say and we put in bigger water trucks then in every paddock so there's a 300 gallon water truck in every paddock you know and I guess, look, this is a very costly thing to do. Yeah. And, you know, it might be fairly daunting for somebody yeah. who is, you know, thinking of making the jump in maybe the next 12 months. Like, what's your advice in ter- in that? Like, I mean, do you jump straight in and do it all? Or would you uh, phase it? I suppose it? We, phased it, we phased it here. So, look, really, we've borrowed for the milking parlour and the cubicles and there was extra slurry storage had to be put in as well that year. So we've, we've borrowed for that. Um, the rest was done out of surplus cash 
at the end of every year, let's say, if we had uh, a lump of money, if we could get together money, we would do a project. We would take, for instance, put up the cab shed, do the roads, you know. So that's that's the way we kind of did it. We kind of we scrimped and scraped all year, and if we got a, a lot of money together, we'd invest it back into the business. Like the past couple of years, I suppose we've invested at least 20000 every year back into the likes of your roads, your water, your calf shed, you know, additional stuff like that, let's say, you know. And I suppose, you know, before we move away from looking at the infrastructure yeah. and, and the money invested in it, you mentioned when you started contract rearing, it was really good for things like breeding, grass and management. Yes. But you also mentioned it was really good for, say, money and budgeting. Yeah. You know, did you have particular tools that you used kind of week in, week out? Um, yeah, you know? look, look uh, the first the, the first two years in dairy farming are the toughest, I think, because uh, milk production is low, but you have huge costs. So every week, myself and my wife, Tina, sat down and we we went through what we had. We checked the bank account. We said what we were going to bring in, who we had to pay. And we kind of managed the money week and week and week, really. That day for the first two or three years is how we managed, you know, and tried to put away a bit. Like, I suppose we made, a, like, from a family point of view, we made a lot of sacrifices to get the farm up and going. But uh, hopefully we'll be reaping the rewards of that, you know. So um, that it was a big. That was just the way we did it, I suppose. Really. And and I suppose on that, you know, you're you're saying you know production is low yes. in those first couple yeah. of years, and I suppose you know you you made the decision as a new entrant to go with all heifers. Yes. Was that the right decision for you? Uh, look, I suppose uh, now it is. I suppose at the time, look, if it, when you talk back things, we wrote out a small check to buy 60 calves and we were able to cash flow the rearing of them ourselves so but when you tat it all up it was the same thing as if you went out and wrote out a check for 1400 euros for a cow but I suppose we didn't have the 14 like if you asked me on the first of March in 2014 to write out a check for 50 cows I couldn't have done it Whereas I could pay, I could drip pay away. The drip feed exactly, for the heifers. For the heifers. Yeah. So that's how that worked out well. But probably a few cows in the system would have been would have been better. Let's it you helped, know, yeah. it would have helped the cash flow side of things. You know, because the production would have been up. You know, and um, it would have been a bit better. All right. And I guess then, um, in terms of the other things that you mentioned, breeding and grassland management. Yeah. I mean, we, we'll get onto the performance um, again, but what, what in particular were you? Did you take in terms of learnings from working with the young stock that yeah. you brought forward into? Well, 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 what we did when 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 I came home in two thousand and ten, I um I got on with Noel going and uh, grass tech, and I learnt um, Noel used to come here. I put buddied up with a, another friend of mine. And we did uh, grass measurement. So uh, every second week, uh, Noel would be on either my farm or my friend's farm. And uh, we'd, we'd uh, measure the grass. And uh, it was a great tool. It was a great learning experience, you know, for measuring grass and budgeting grass and all that stuff. So I, I, I found that was invaluable, actually, um, just learning about measuring grass and, use, you know, trying to get the most out of it really to be honest it's it's something that comes up a lot in, ter- in terms of grass grass measuring um yeah. w- with the dairy edge and i suppose some people might get slightly fatigued from listening to us yeah. talking about grass but how important is grass to your system it's the it's the only thing really to be honest which uh, um look we do feed a lot of supplement here on this farm but 
if I can at all, it's it's I won't compromise on the grass. Like the paddock has to be cleaned out properly. We have to get as much grass as possible into the cows. Uh, uh, like this spring now, we only fed seven bales of silage on wet nights. So it's really it's get as much grass as you can into the cows. It's the, it's the only, it's the best way and the cheapest way of feeding the cow. To be honest with you. And I suppose picking up, you, you know, you mentioned grass management. Is there any other, um, I suppose, things you did to educate yourself on dairy farming along yeah, the way? Yeah, um, discussion group was the was the big one, really. Um, I I I'm in two discussion groups. Um, the discussion groups are great uh, for learning and for, uh, I suppose, uh, seeing what other people are doing, really, more than anything else. And then. Um, as well at the time, we were very lucky. Uh, Greenfield was starting out and Shinock Farm. So the two of them were, were two huge, I suppose, influences on in what we did here. You know, we kind of, we were, were, I suppose, we're not the same system, but we are the same system, you know. But um, like they, they were low cost starting out as well. And uh, look, um, you could really, what they were doing, we were trying to follow, I suppose, in, in a way. You know, and and I suppose from a practical perspective, you know, the act of uh, milking a cow. Yeah. You know, where did you learn that? Was that on day one here when uh, you put the first cluster on? All right. Um, look, I I did weekend milkings in a couple of places for um, not much now to tell the truth. So really, you're right. I suppose day one at the cow calf that we started milking or like you know. So that was it. You know, but. Um, they all said we'd be killed with all the heifers, but I was still standing anyway. So, you know, it was fine. It was fine, you know. And I suppose then if we turn our attention now to your system and what yeah. you're doing here day to day, when you started out, how did you decide on what the right system was for you? Really, like we, we, we had a farm, we could grow grass. So really the system was get as much grass as you possibly could into the cow. So we went to the spring calving herd, calving around the 1st of February and trying to get as much kilos of milk solids as we could per hectare um, and try and get as long as grazing season as we could so it was really about I suppose the grass um, we've crossbred herd um, look um, I suppose at the moment they're, uh, we're calving about 90% in 6 weeks which is I think is you know we're, we're tipping away at that Um uh, they're milking well. Um, they're doing at the moment. They're doing thirty-one liters at uh, four point four seventy-three and three forty-five. They're doing two point six kilos of milk solids and four kilos a meal. So um, look, they're tipping away fine. Tipping and away. you know, on that the crossbred herd yeah. was that the decision day one. Yeah. Was that always yeah, going yeah. to be the case? That cow? was always going to be. Look, we were rearing crossbred heifers for Bill. I liked them. Um, they're nice. They're a nice, robust animal. They're easy care. Um, they're easy getting calf. Look, we don't ever get up at night to calve a cow here. Um, this is our sixth season now, and we we don't get up at night. Uh, they calve themselves. They're easy getting calf. Um, they're robust. They can put up with a bit of torture. Um, Look, they're 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 a nice cow. They're a nice cow, and look, they're delivering plenty of solids. So, I know you have the the cull price and the calf price, but our business is producing milk and selling milk. So we we are not over interested in calves or cull cows or you know, does as for me, there's no value to be added to that. It's 
you know, just move them on as fast as you can, as, you know, as quickly as you can and get them out of the way. And I suppose with the 90% six-week calving rate, yeah. you're very compact. Yeah. So we're talking about cows here now on 31 litres today, yeah. which means that they're, you know, they're probably not far off peak. Yeah, I'd say peak this week. I'd yeah, say peak, and also there's probably, people are probably a big question mark over that 31 litres for a crossbred cow. And yeah, yeah, is, yeah. is that actually possible? But, it is but you're really. achieving it. But yeah. I mean, you do, like, I mean, we'll bring in the point here that you said that you are supplementing heavy. We are supplementing and, heavy, um, yeah. Like you're at four kilos we're today. We're at four kilos today. Um, look our, our our demand at them we've we've stocked up the farm to fork four cows per hectare or maybe i've done it a week too soon um the demand is 65 the growth rate last week was only 45 but I, i'd be hoping that we'll we'll clip the 60 you know this week hopefully yeah, so, I, I did hear people after that heavy rain yeah, last week yeah. were, were saying we're going to shoot up to 100. Yeah, so you're, I don't think we'll hit the 100 here, but uh, yeah, 60 yeah, now yeah. we could go on, you know, yeah, 60. Yeah. I'd be happy enough with 60. And I suppose supplementation then across the year, what yeah, is the budget? Cup, cup, oh, yeah, the budget. Look, I, I, I'd always tell myself 750 kilos, you know, but it, it ends up with a ton. Like um, the past, the past last year, I know the drought, we fed 1.7 due to the drought but look normally we're in around the year before we were at a ton and the year before we were at 750 do you know that's the kind of it's where we'd, like, where where we we'd like it to yeah. be but we do have to supplement a good bit in the spring and uh, autumn as well because um, it's a, it's a, just a slow start farm we'll say you know the growth doesn't really kick off we'd be like I'd be watching what curtains are doing and we'd be generally 10 days behind curtains. So if curtains are growing 70 this week, it'll be a week to 10 days before we'll be growing 70, you know, so. Yeah. And in terms then of, you know, some people would, would think uh, supplement is, you know, it's idle feed in that they're not getting the response. And yeah. I know I was here maybe, I think it was 2017 and yes. there was a there was a heavy response. It was a good response. Yeah. What sort of salads are you achieving uh, on look, the average last year? year? Last year we did um, supplied, I think, 570 kilos roughly, or was it five, six, seven kilos supplied to the co-op. And the year before we did about... I think we did 5.55 supply to the co-op. And I just suppose if, if we look at that in context, you know, yeah. the national average farmer is feeding a ton and they're producing roughly 400 kilograms yeah. of milk solids. So I think that, you know, I don't know, should we say it, but it's nearly justified to... <laughs> I know, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, I know. I yeah, suppose, look, what you're I suppose doing. with us, uh, every week we measure the grass. So, and it just so happens that when it comes up to our discussion group meeting, uh, after the meeting, you'd you drop the cows back to two, and geez, just before the meeting comes up again, they're back up on four. You know, so <laughs> you know, um, so like every week, like uh, we'd vary. Like in February, we only fed two and a half kilos of meal because we'd loads of grass. March, we were on between three and four. Uh, ten days ago, there we just wanted to slow them up. So for the weekend, we put them on five, and we dropped them back to four. Then and they are at four at the moment. So I thought this week we'd be able to cut them back to three, but we just we're just not growing enough of grass yet to cut them back. So know? essentially, you're letting your grass wedge guide your supplementation yes, exactly, the year. exactly, exactly. Okay. And I suppose then if. If we look at it, we've we've discussed milk solids per cow. We've yeah. discussed six week calving rate. Are there any other major KPIs that you're targeting in yeah, the year? Yeah, look, I suppose the, the one we we hope to do about twelve hundred kilos of milk solids per hectare farmed. Um, 
the the main one would be the ninety percent calved in six weeks. Um, other than that, we're really, I suppose, really we're trying to get grow as much grass as possible. Uh, look, we're trying to grow fourteen tons of grass. We are in around the thirteen and a half to thirteen to fourteen tons of grass with the past couple of years. Last year, no, we were down to eleven and a half with the drought, but. And what what are the main tools that you're using to drive grass growth? Look, so, soil fertility. We soil test the farm every two years. We have the P's and K's are up on fours now at the moment, and the lime is uh, where it should be as well. Um, so really, now um, since two thousand, um, before I took over, like we used to seed a field every year. Let's say so we we've kept on with that. Um, so really, um. It's trying to like the past couple of years. All right, we've it's every second year we've receded, so from now on we're going to go back to every year receding to try and get that extra bit of growth. And, and is, is that tonnage. is that the limiting factor receding, or is there uh, anything else holding you back? I suppose our, our look at what's holding us back really, we're we're a north facing farm, we're about five or six hundred feet above sea level. It's a bit of a colder farm. Towards the back of it is wet. Um, but look, it is what it is, and it's it's during the summer then those fields are are bombing it, and into August they're bombing it. Uh, it's just in the spring, it's it's hard to get go. You know, it is we're a bit behind in the spring, and in the the, the end of the autumn, the grazing season really finishes up fast. They're around the fifteenth of November, up to the first of November you'll be flying, but there's they really there's only ten or fifteen days. This year now we were exceptional. We got to the twenty fifth, I think before we had to house but um no this is kind of where the practice is at and 108 cows on the milking platform yeah. at the moment do you see yourselves going any further um look we, we we went up to 115 in in 2017 and we managed way fine uh we had the calves on the platform as well we were stocked to 2.6 that year but we were buying in a lot of silage look we had to buy in 300 bales of silage that year Plus the ton of supplements, so we were we thought we were purchasing too much supplement in. Really, you know, it was a big, it was a big cost to the business. There was thirty odd thousand a year being spent on silage and and nuts. So we thought that was a bit, it was a bit risky. You know, or we had a lot of money, you know, and it it showed last year that with the drought like because everything went squeezed by 300 bales of silage again last year like last year's feed went up to 50,000 so we're just a bit worried about that that we're put you know that are we buying the milk really more than the marginal milk as they are yeah so, and so I, I suppose that's a, just a really interesting point and I know that uh, Joe Patton yeah. would have done an awful lot of work calculating out that and I suppose when you consider those 300 bales of silage yeah. and I mean you're talking there's seven extra cows there yeah. in 2017 yeah. were you solely feeding certain that's cow it. silage and that's Probably. just a really that's, interesting that's, reflection that's, that's on That's the way I looked at it now to be business. honest which uh, yeah. I, I looked at like if the farm can grow 14 tonnes of grass here and we utilise 85% of it, which would be very, very good going if we could. That would be 11.9 tonnes. So that means there's 5.2 tonnes of grass available per cow, roughly. And put a tonne of meal with that, that gives you what the cow needs for the year, really. To, to achieve that high to production that, that you're, high production, you're doing. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. And I guess if we look to the future then, wh- where do you see the business going, Mike? 
Good question. Um, <laughs> that's the million dollar one. Look, um, at the moment, I suppose we're for our system. Look, we 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 like a very simple system here. Um, we we get our contract rare to rare. We send off our calves at about six to eight weeks to be reared. They come back in December. Uh, all we have here is cows. So if we up the cows more, really, we have to bring in more feed because there's no land around us available. So is that complicating our system a bit too much? Like if we took if we went up thirty more cows, uh, we'd probably we'd manage it with our labour on the farm, which myself and my wife. But would we be only buying the milk um, because we'd have to bring up the all the supplement would be coming in uh, from down the road? There'd be more contracting, there'd be more slurry, there'd be more silage, there'd be zero grazing. And I don't know would that suit our system at all, to be honest. And know? I suppose often the comment is where you're introducing all of these things, they're it's just complicated. complications. Like everything here is simple. Like we start calving the 1st of February, we finish calving. We finished there last week, so around the 15th of April. We start breeding the 1st of May. We finished breeding the 10th of July. Do you know, it's all, I, I like to have things in segments, let's say, that cows are dry there around the 10th, or 5th, the 10th of December, start calving again, and it's just preparation for when the big jobs are coming up, and that's it. Keep it, keep it simple. Reflecting on your 10 years in dairying, Mike, you know, massive performance being achieved on this farm and you know in a very short space of time you're hitting all the targets in terms of fertility production um you know what are the high points yeah i suppose um look i suppose being uh i suppose milking the cows was a high point um i suppose really i suppose it, it's it's um i suppose being your own boss um being able to spend time at home with my family um, look if one of my girls uh, the two of them are big into playing GA Sarah and Kaylee they want to they want to they'd be playing a school game there now maybe at 12 o'clock down the pitch I can I can shoot off and watch that game um, in the evening there if they're playing a game look I can get in a milk cart to milk the cows that evening and go away and watch their game or spend time with them like during the summer here now for instance we try to get a lot of our work done before the holidays to kick off because I find really from July till they go back to school, you're on a go slow because you come down, you're after milking the cows in the morning, you come back down the, for your tea and sure look, there's an hour or two gone because you'll be full, you'll be messing around or having a chat or they'd be planning something and you'd have to listen. And so, you know, the, like you have time to spend with them really. I know in the spring you're busy and look, they're, they're great. Everyone puts their hands to the pump at the spring. Do you know, the two girls come up and Tina comes up and helps out at the springtime work. And, but after that, then, like, we're, we're pretty leisurely, to be honest. So it's the, the lifestyle daring yeah, is the offering. Life, the lifestyle it's offering. Look, people say that, oh, you're very tied and all this. But look, we've, when I was working out, I, I went nowhere. Um, now um, we're lucky enough we've relief milkers there for the weekends they do a great job they come in they milk the cows we can have time off we can go where we want um, we've great contractors they come in they do whatever needs to be done they don't have to be supervised do you know it's it's not a, it's, it's a good life balance work life balance I suppose really and for somebody who's listening today and they're thinking, this is actually what I want to do and yeah. this is what I've been thinking of, have you two or three top tips for them? Yeah, look, out? I suppose plan it out well. 
really. Um, look, when we were lucky enough, we did a, we got a lot of help doing our five-year plan at the start, what we were going to do and how we were going to do it. And um, so that's that's number one anyway is have a plan. I suppose number two is have someone you can make contact with to talk about the silly things that you you know look you might be afraid to bring it up at a discussion group meeting that there's something this cow has mastitis or cell count issue or something because you might say actually you know you're foolish but everyone has those problems like they are they are very common problems and you know you'll get you'll get help so a mentor is really a good mentor is worth anything you know and I suppose the discussion group as well is a great tool you know you can you can see what's happening on the ground. Like the last day, you know, I went to a meeting and you'd say, look, you're going to much years. What are you learning? I saw a guy and um, for the springtime, like back fencing is an issue here, you know, to try to get the cows back to the water. So your man put the water truck up in the middle of the road and all he had to do was open his gap down along and the cow could walk out to the road, get her water, walk back in again. She could take away the water truck when, the, when you were onto the main grazing season. But I just thought it was a good tip to be fair, you know, and it worked worked very well. He could give them their block of grass for their for their grazing, and you know, you could back fence, and they had access to water. They could just walk up the lane a small bit to get their water. I thought, it was, yeah, thought it was a brilliant thing. And I think just to wrap up, Mike, yeah. um, the three tips you have is plan well, and yeah. I suppose you're working with people on that five year yeah. plan. Um, identify a mentor yeah. and your discussion group so yeah. all of your tips are centred around people and, oh, and yeah. it's people are going to help you along the yes, way yes so it's only for people like you'll be nowhere like it's about a good team around you too like like your vet your contractors your bank your accountants like they're all very important people and you know they have to like I suppose I can guess um like I tell everyone everything we're doing, like, you know, you can get input in from people, you know, so you can make a decision again, like, you know, someone else might have a different view on it. And, you know, you can you can think about it in what's their view and, you know, it may, might make your own decision better. Yeah, you know, and I suppose, look, we can't underestimate how good people are in the industry yeah, and yeah. farmers are so willing to help. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, you yourself are a mentor to many people. You mightn't know it, Mike, oh, and there's, you know, most farmers actually are and it, yeah, you know, it yeah, mightn't be officially identified as yeah. that. But, you know, I suppose we need a little help from our friends. That's Isn't it. that it? That's it. Uh, thanks very much, Mike. No, Hassel and Louise, thank you. And that's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Mike Birmingham for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify and for more information go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie I'm Emma Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge